Welcome or welcome back to Will Act for Change, the podcast where we talk to actors and theater and film professionals to discuss the relationship between their work and advocacy or activism in the arts. Today, we are joined by playwright and novelist Michaela Duffy. Michaela is an award-winning playwright. Her first full-length play for Love, Sir, Letters of Life, Love, and Sacrifice earned patrons pick at the Orlando International Fringe Festival and was nominated for nine Broadway World Awards. It also earned Michaela the coveted Producers Award for 2018. This play used real letters from military service members to family throughout different wars. Michaela expertly interweaves the themes of love and service throughout the play in a way that is impactful and leaves the audience thinking when they leave. Her one woman show, Star Sweeper, also was well received and earned many awards. Star Sweeper exposed the need for community in us all and the sense of hope we need to cling to even when all seems lost. With a refreshingly hopeful and beautiful look at what humanity is capable of and where we can go from here, Michaela has an irreverent spirit and endless desire to see the world around her improve. She aims to obstinately, obstinately speak light into the world in the face of all but absolute darkness. Michaela, thank you for coming on the show. Well, that was such a lovely introduction. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. <laughs> now, I've known Michaela for a long time. Uh, we've been friends for a while in the theater and something that is a constant through line in her work, no matter what she is doing, is hope. There's a constant sense of hope for humankind, for the love and compassion we are capable of in everything that we do. What led you to focus on stories with hopeful or happy endings? Um, you know, I, ever since I started receiving media as a young child, um, one of the first book series that I fell in love with was Lord of the Rings. And there is this beautiful monologue in the Two Towers um, that uh, Sean Astin does a fantastic job of portraying. Uh, mm. But the, 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 the central conceit of that is there is some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. And that is a lot of or that that is the central theme for almost most fantasy stories is you know this fighting against a, a, a an overwhelming evil because there is something worth fighting for there is good there is the good will forever triumph over evil and right. i think that that i think that that really resonates hard with me maybe it's just because i really want to be a knight but <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah so and and there is there is something to be said about a lot of media nowadays really harping on the dystopian uh reality in which we live mm -hmm. you know what i mean like from the the 1900s the 1940s the 1980s like things just kind of get get keep getting worse in different ways and it's really easy to prey on and play on all of the fears that are very real fears like there, there is, there is a legitimate reason why people are freaking out about stuff. And I think that I write best what I want to see in the world and what I want to mm. bring to the world. And that is the sense that yes, there is bad. Yes, there is evil. Yes, there are all these terrible things and war and heartache and all of those things do exist and yet and yet, I think that's that's kind of the central theme. And yet, there 
are people who are willing to help. There are willing to fight. There are people who protest in the streets. There are people who, mm-hmm. you know, yell at uh, uh, at congressmen. There are people who write <laughs> wonderful speeches. There are people who make art that say things like, in spite of all of the overwhelming shit, yeah, people still take care of each other. Um, And that's, that's, I find power in focusing on that. Yeah. Yeah. So is that kind of what you want audiences to leave with when they see your shows? Is that sense of there's good in the world and to look for it? Yeah. Not only that there's good in the world, but that we are better for the sum of our parts. Like, you know, humans... Mm are are one of the only species in which like our our survival is inherently dependent upon us cooperating it is inherently dependent upon us taking care of each other and you know i think there's a lot to be said about you know how individualist our societies have gotten because because there's just so much and we're all kind of scared for ourselves and it's like well i i can't take care of everybody but i can take care of me and yet humans must take care of each other. And so when I when I create art, what I want the audience to leave with is this sense that no matter what you are going through, that is a human experience and you are not alone in, in experiencing that. You are mm-hmm. not alone going through it. Other people go through it. When you sit in the audience, every person in that audience goes through those things too. They all feel lonely. They all feel lost. They all feel like nobody understands who and what they are. And when we start bringing those conversations to the table, then we can have that discussion of, yes, I feel lonely. How do I fix that? Yes, I feel like hopeless. How do I fix that? Where do, how do I find community in that? Mm. Um, And so between For Love, Sir and Star Sweeper, both of those plays had this central theme of humans connecting with other humans and fighting for other humans and praying for other humans and taking care of other humans because we are all that we have. Right. Um, I, I don't ascribe to, to religion, right? So my, my outlook on life is nobody will take care of this but me. Nobody will take care of my fellow man unless I take care of my fellow man. And so a lot a lot of the inspiration for a lot of these plays is just whatever you're going through, you are not alone in receiving that that experience. And if you just open your eyes and open up your heart, you're gonna you're gonna realize that you are not nearly as alone as you feel like you are. Mm-hmm. So speaking speaking on that um, that inspiration, was that the inspiration for originally deciding to write for Love, Sir, or was there other motivation behind that? <laughs> you know, I wonder if you asked this because you actually remember why I started writing for Love, Sir, or if this is just you know, a, an organic question. <laughs> um, but for Love, Sir, the original conceit of for Love, Sir was I was in. Um, I was in theater, and you may not be able to tell by my profile here, but I'm a, I'm a third girl. I'm a third girl. 
And they, they won't be able to see. The, I'm not doing the video for this one. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I am a plus size lady. And um, there is this strange obsession with certain uh, factions of theater. Theater. Mm. That um, people of a certain size are incapable of romantic affection. We are just incapable of it. We are, we are actually loveless, sexless beings. And so I... Um, I was so tired <laughs> of not getting cast as romantic leads and leads in general um, that out of spite, I decided to write a play and I specifically cast myself as a romantic lead. Um, you can do all things through spite, which strengthens you. Um, and so the original conceit of the story was, was, what is something that speaks to me? What is something that I want to talk about? I want to talk about humans. I want to talk about humans connecting with each other. I want to talk about humans connecting with each other over a course of hundreds of years. And so the play came out of this monument that I think it was, was it our friend Carol who had gone to the monument and sent me photos of it? Um, I can't remember. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember either. Um, <laughs> a while ago. There, there's a monument, I want to say in Virginia? I could be wrong, don't quote me, um, where it is a bunch of copper letters from soldiers to their families over the course of American history, just kind of like <clears throat> nailed into the ground and you can walk around and read their letters. And mm -hmm. so that spoke to me a lot. And I was like, God, I really wish somebody would, would do something with letters like this. And uh, so then I was like, well, I can do something with letter like this. And so I ended up incorporating some of those letters. I also insert, uh, incorporated a few letters from um, people of the community uh, mm -hmm. who wanted me to, to take their letters and kind of like finagle them into stuff. And obviously I wrote a, por a, a solid portion of it. Um, but in the play, we end up actually calling the name of every person whose letters I, I utilized in, in the play. And when I was developing which characters were going to be participating in this story, I was trying to get the gamut. So I had a mother and son duo where the son was in the military and the mother was kind of like waiting for him to come back. Mm -hmm. I had a, a mother and a daughter where the mother was in the military and the daughter was waiting for her to come back. And then I had um, like a 20s, 30s couple where uh, one of the uh, one of the people was in the military and the other one was like, experiencing what it's like to to be in love with someone who's in the military um and it is not at all a love letter to the military let's clarify that <laughs> i do not I, no 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 we are not we are not mm -mm. it is a but, love letter huh is it but i mean the people within within the military the service members I, yes I'm, it is a love reflecting letter the the experiences that they have is important yeah exactly well that's the thing is like we all have this idea of like what what kind of a person goes into the service and that that like that stereotype is right. not all the reality of it and you know just because you don't you're not pro your government pro your military you can still be pro the people who are participating in that for whatever reason whether or not they're trying to get university paid for or they right. You know, like they're they're trying to take care of their family in the best way they know how. They're trying to fulfill their family legacy. Like there's a million reasons why somebody would join the services. We uh, can have regard for the individual service members without paying homage to the military industrial complex. Precisely, <laughs> precisely. That is a yeah. perfect way to put that. Um, 
And so I wanted to tell the story of all the different kinds of um, relationships that you can have with people in, with people in service. Because um, my family is also a military family. Uh, yeah, my mine is as well. Yeah. And yeah. so a lot of people who came and saw it, um, it was interesting because it spanned generations, right? So mm -hmm. there were people of our generation that went and saw it. There were people of our parents' generation, our grandparents' generations that all had, they all had, you know, their, their toes in the water of the service. And mm -hmm. so they all, they all had experienced at least some portion of this story in their own lives. So a question, just back to the letters, how did you first, when you came up with that, that idea to use real letters from, from service members, how did you approach the families, especially in particular, there's the, the relationship between the mother and son where the, the son does not survive. Uh, that's got to be a pretty, pretty difficult thing to approach. I mean, not just as a, a playwright, but a playwright approaching a, a mother who's been through that grief. So you, you may or may not remember uh, me discussing this when we were going through it, um, but most of the people who were in the show were, were in the, were in the service. The right. stage manager, half of my crew, um, and if they weren't in the service, they had somebody who was in the service that they knew. Like it was their sibling, their, their you know, parents, something like that. And the person who played John, um, he, oh God, I love him so much. He was such a fantastic, he was the only person I picked from John. I didn't have anybody else read for him. I wrote this part. He told me like, I, I, I'd posted on the book of face that I was doing the show. And mm -hmm. this, this guy, Josh messaged me and was like, I don't care what, what it is. Please let me be a part of this. Please let me be a part of the show. Right. And so I had him read one of the mon one of the letters that John was going to be reading. And I was like, I don't need to read anybody else. You're my guy. You're my guy. <laughs> and what was so interesting about him and his experience in the play was that he, he had been an active service member and he was my age. Um, and he had right. gone through such, such tragedy. Um, he had lost his best friend in the in, in in the war and so there's actually a scene prior to his his final letter with his mother um where he is just freaking out he's lost his best friend and this letter is him writing to his mother saying like there's no point and you and i are never going to see each other like see each other eye to eye again because i have seen such terrible things and i am not the same human that i left you as and it was a beautiful moment because this person who had experienced this in real life was able to make peace with it. Mm. Every, every night we honored his real life best friend. Every That's amazing. Had her picture in our show and everybody got to see her photo and their love for each other. And he got to, and, and, and it was, it was difficult for him because he had to relive that trauma every single show. And right. we, we had lots of sit downs with him and the director and myself kind of like trying to make sure it was like a safe space for him to do that with and make sure that he was all right with experiencing that over and over again. Right. But he ended up messaging me several years later and, uh, and like, this was just a little fringe show. It wasn't, you know, an off-Broadway or Broadway. <laughs> he messaged me and he was just like, this show saved my life. That's it, beautiful. It, dude, when you get a message like that, you're like, what? <laughs> you're like, what? And, um, and, and he, he went on to say, like, 
I had been struggling so much with so much anger and so much heartache and so much, you know, so many terrible feelings about this because I missed her so much and I was still so angry. Right. And working on this show helped me realize how how much I was still hurting. And so I was able to find more help and find more people to lean on and, and go and work through a lot of those feelings. So not only was it for the audience that were receiving reality, they were mm-hmm. receiving real hurt that somebody can go through in that situation this person who had lived through this whole situation and i'd written this character before i knew that this man wanted to participate in the play so it just was serendipitous that he ended up having this exact same life experience and he was able to work work through the hurt and work through the trauma because of art because art helps people Art is the most healing form of help. Um, but yeah, to- it leaves an impact. Yeah, it leaves an impact not on the audience, but when actors take on parts, a lot of the times they they are talking to a part of themselves. They are they are exposing mm-hmm. and expressing a part of themselves. This person just so happened to have a very like direct connection to this character that he was portraying. Right. But there, there there are so many other different kinds of of. of a situation with that which that happens i mean you're an actor you know like yeah there's you- there's a relationship between the actor and the character that they play and you 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 will every character that you take on if you approach them with integrity and with the intention to really learn about them and, and portray them in an honest way you will learn about yourself in the process yes so. because all of us experience the same things. <laughs> you know what I mean? We all, as humans, go through the same shit. And like, does everybody go into the military and lose their best friend to to an ambush? No. Have we all felt devastation and despair? Yes. And so, to the right. very long road back to answering your question, um, dealing with his death was such an interesting thing. Because his last letter is this letter of hope and excitement about coming home. Yeah. So excited to come home. I can't wait to see all of these people. I cannot wait to hug you again. Like, yes, everything's terrible. And yet I'm going to come home. I'm going to come home. And it was an interesting discussion between um, the actors and and myself and the director because the person who was playing um who was playing his mother was also in the military and yeah. so like she was actively in the military she was from a military family she was one of them lineage folk and so i had written this mother just crumbling and just falling apart and like that was how she was supposed to react to receiving this letter because you know i'm not actively in the military that would that's how i would react to this letter and she ended up pulling me aside and she's like this is this is wrong and i was like <laughs> okay would you like to explain and she's like i i'm in the service i'm always expecting this letter yeah when i get this letter i would never cry in front of anybody especially not the person giving me the letter that says that my son is dead i would say thank you shake his hand close the door and then crumble um yeah and and so it was interesting because this was a very collaborative effort of mm-hmm. uh, of everybody who everybody got to have their say of like i think this is how this story should go i think this is how people feel really in these situations um and and dealing with john's death was was really it was really a 
heartbreaking because it, it's also a little bit of the death of of innocence the the death of hope a little bit in that sense because this person was so hopeful and so excited to come back mm -hmm. and we have to reckon with the fact that there are people who are so excited to come home and they never do yeah and yeah. that's the reality for a lot of people there's a lot it, of people who come home the way that that wrapped up was so interesting for me just because he had gone through such a moment of angst and anger and rage at everything and how he can't connect with his family and it was when he found that sense of of wanting and being willing to connect with his family again that that's when he ended up losing his life but there's a certain beauty in that he didn't leave the world in an area of pain and anger do you know what I mean yeah yeah he, he was he was giving back going back to being like there is some good in the world Mr. Refrodo and worth fighting right. for um <clears throat> but there there had to be there had to be someone to show the pain of being of losing someone in the uh in the service industry because it is it is a tragedy that far more people than should know mm -hmm. yeah like and that's the thing is like there were so many people who came who were veterans because i i pitched this show to veterans i went to all the p the uh the vfws posted posters and i was like hey guys i'm doing a show about the, about you come and watch <laughs> and so we got so many people for one who don't go to theater yeah that was really cool was all these people who do not go to theater as a rule came to the show and yep. witnessed theater and I think that's 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 another massively important part about theater is creating spaces for people who are not coming to theater as a, as a rule, right? Yeah. And I'm I'm gonna say something. This is probably gonna be the so. There's sometimes when you go to theater. Yes. You're in an audience of theater goers, mm -hmm. and we like to call it the liberal hmm where something okay. poignant is said on stage and you hear the audience go mm, mm -hmm, like they're going to church but it's oh, like god we're all we all feel the same way yeah we all we all believe that black people deserve to live and not get shot you know yes what I mean? yeah. we all believe that gay people are allowed to exist but they'll yes. be like, mm. and it's just like it's it's so painful to sit in the audience when you're when you're in that and you're just like oh god <laughs> is that what i sound like no um but there's something really important about making theater for people who do not who are not theater goers right because there there's at some point where you kind of split and it's like oh we're all in a little echo chamber of our of our own you know stories yeah and crossing over to people who i may or may not have anything in common with other than we are going through a human experience together. Um, and this was a really cool play where there was a crossing of the aisle. Yeah. And a lot of people who I have nothing in common with because we are so just vehemently opposed yeah. on most issues could come together to experience this play and this story because we had all gone through something like that. 
and it was a beautiful it was a really really beautiful moment of showing that humans still connect even when we're diametrically opposed yeah there's there's a respect in it too i mean i feel like especially today everyone expects that level of just non-connection so when you have that glimmer where the door just cracks open just a little bit it gives you hope it gives you it gives you a little bit of respect of what humans are capable of when we we reach each other in a real way well because humans at their bare at the bare core want to take care of each other um there's there's a section in star sweeper towards the end where she discusses the um the inception of humanity Mm. and what is what is considered the birth of humanity and whether it's music or art or you know all of these things that we we might associate with humanity being born and what she asserts is that or what they assert character riley's written for anybody um what they assert is that the birth of humanity was the first broken bone that was mended because mm. in in the wild, if if an animal breaks their bone, they're normally they're 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 left to die. Nobody can take care of them and take care of themselves. And so when the first Homo sapiens slash you know Neanderthal creature had a broken bone that had been reset, and they were able to live on that again, that showed the inception of humanity because that was someone taking care of someone who couldn't do anything for them. Right. And no matter what leaning you have i think that there is still that sense at mm-hmm. the deep, deep core of it that yep. humans want to be with each other that brings me into another really good segue um actually so why did you originally decide to write star sweeper um so i had the original conceit of star sweeper not what ended up becoming star sweeper but the original thread of an idea was i was i was writing um a play for, for an ex-partner um and it was supposed to be like a gift for them to you know have monologues from and all do all these wonderful things because mm-hmm. i'm a writer what i do i write um and when but but like when when i was writing it i couldn't find the heart of the story i couldn't tell what the story was trying to say i was i was trying to create an effect but i didn't have anything to really say through it but right. when we ended up parting ways um the the outpouring of love that i received from my chosen family from my friends like everyone was just like so trying to make sure that i was all right and take care of me and be like hey i haven't seen you in a while you want to go grab some coffee like do you want to watch a movie at your house like do you want to like i just want to spend time with you and tell you that i love you um the outpouring of that was just so overwhelming and so immense that it moved me to action Mm -hmm. and i was like I need to write a, this is the sense, this is the through line of Star Super. I must write a story about people loving people, Mm. taking care of people, and fighting for people, because it was just this beautiful, beautiful moment of like, I was, I was heartbroken, and yet I didn't even have the time to feel heartbroken, because everyone was just making sure I was okay. Yeah. And it was it was just so so beautiful, and so Star Sweeper ended up being a bunch of monologues about me wanting to tell people that I loved humanity. It's just me. It's a love <laughs> of humanity in all of the different ways, and I was just like, hmm, let's do some uh, some captain's logs. That'll be fine. Um, and 
and and so it ended up becoming this huge project of like how do i exemplify the human experience in a single story right so riley is written without pronoun um so anybody could pick up the main character riley and portray them there's no pronouns written anywhere in the script um and also there's there's just enough vagueness that it's it's it should be a a story in which everyone has experienced the feelings that riley goes through like everyone has has experienced loneliness everyone has experienced hopelessness everyone has experienced like wonder and Mm -hmm. astonishment and the the just the receiving of beauty and hope and it was just it was such a fun play to write because it was it was just a play full of let me call attention to all these beautiful things that we may not pay attention to um like there's there's a whole scene where riley ends up kind of talking about how we name the space shuttles and how we mm-hmm. name the rovers and how they're named after you know curiosity and perseverance and all of these beautiful things about ourselves that we want to send out into the universe that you know if if there is things in the universe the first thing they'll know about humans is that we are we are we persevere and we are curious and we want to know more and we want to tell them that they're not alone in the universe that we are also here and like that's that's the core of space travel is mm-hmm. us trying to connect because that's what humans do we connect humans across cultures connect we all have you know beautiful beautiful rich histories with each other even if we don't speak lang- the same language we still find ways to connect and point at an apple and say that's called an apple and a french person's like well no that's a bomb and we're like okay well that's two names for the same thing now we know and what's also really cool when you start doing uh research about space um is like <clears throat> uh for what most people in the western hemisphere would call scorpio in like polynesian culture is maui's hook like the, mm. that's the set of stars that yeah. every human sees at night and they have two completely different stories and isn't that magnificent that humans want just just create stories for things and and how there's wildly different stories just by where you are in on the planet for the same exact thing um and this play really calls to attention all of those things just how similar humans are right um and so it was it was just a love letter to my friends to tell them how much i love them awesome <laughs> um so my next question you have a book series you have been working on so do these same themes come about within that series as well I'm so glad you asked. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 150%. Um, so my, my book series, the Miss Poor Guardians is about, uh, it, it, it is a, a novelization of my tabletop role-playing game with, uh, with my closest friends. And <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know if you can hear my neighbors. <laughs> oh no. Okay. They're very lively. Um, 
so it is a novelization of my my uh top tabletop role-playing game uh with my my closest friends and because it is the story that we've created together it is the story of humans uh interacting with humans and uh there are so many facets of these similar through lines in this in this book series um there is you know there 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 is this um, empire that is tyrannical and racist and classist and anti-magic and what it means to be to actively be a participant in that empire like to be a citizen and living in that kind of world what does that do to how does that affect you especially if you don't agree if you are trying to fight for freedom how does what does that mean and and you know there are so many different ways to go about getting freedom and right. a lot of it is really gray on both sides and there is like, there's this discussion of like what's the right way to go about getting freedom for people and whether or not there is a right way or is it just the effective way is the right way what at what point does the line between getting the thing done and still saving humanity and like taking mm -hmm. care of humanity where is that where is that line and also it's full of people who are not particularly special they're not you know the son of the king going on this massive journey to save the dragon it's a bunch of idiots it's a bunch of idiots <laughs> and yeah. i love them so much bunch of idiots that just care and that's the point of the story is that they care enough to see the issues of the world and try and fix them in their small ways and that is enough to be a hero you do not have to be special you do not have to have resources you do not have to have all these things that would make you you know the next <clears throat> so and so if mm -hmm. you as an individual in whatever capacity you have want to change things want to fight for people and you give enough of a shit to try to actually put effort into what you say that's all that matters that's right. what makes you a hero and so yeah a lot of those similar themes are in the book series um and of course there's dragons and or not there's not really not dragon in the first book um but there's sword fightings and magic and like political intrigue and like all of the other things that make a book series fun to read but the central theme is still very much if there is trouble in the world and you fight to take care of your fellow people then that's the best you can do and you have to do it to your to the utmost of your ability um and i don't know that to me that is that is the most hopeful thing you can do is try and take care of your other of your fellow person awesome um, I have um, one more question for you before we end things. How do you feel that advocacy and theater intertwine and relate? I love this question because theater is politics. It's always been that way. <laughs> theater is how people change their minds. Like, whether it's theater or film or whatever, you know, people portraying storylines whatever medium it is whether it's books or anything like that conveying stories from one person to another person is how you change people 
It is how you get people on the same side. It is how you get people to cooperate because the only way that you can get people from diametrically opposed sides to find any common ground is to show them that they are the same. Hmm. And like, it has, you, you have to be able to like, be willing to receive that information. There's a lot of people who just are not willing to receive that, right? There's right. a lot of people who are just so hard in with their mentality of the world that they refuse to see that humans, you know, deserve to live and deserve to exist without capitulating to their set of ideals, right? Mm -hmm. But if we don't give life to stories, then those stories die. Right. If we don't give life to experiences, then nobody knows that that happens, right? Um, like, there's this fantastic animated film um, called The Breadwinner. Mm. Ever seen it? It's a fantastic film. And it is about a little, I believe she's Afghan, I think she's Afghani, um, girl who has to, like, she, like, cuts her hair and uh, dresses up as a boy in order to make money for her family. And it is a fantastic story that I, as someone in America, as a white person in America, would have never thought to, 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 to see. Would have never thought right. to tell that story because that's not, that's not my world. Um, and so when you have people of those color, like people of color and people of um, different gender expressions and people of whatever thing tell their own stories, then you get to express the humanity within those stories. And right. You would be doing the same thing if you were in their shoes. Um, right. I, re I recently read a book called uh, Walk Two Moons, and the central theme is you can't judge a person until you walk two moons in their moccasins. And, like, when we make art, when we speak about the things that matter, mm -hmm. not only are we giving them power, we are gathering people's hearts to a cause. Right. right? And there's there's so much theater that changes people's lives. Um, I'm trying I'm trying to like, oh, like uh, like the Scully effect. Um, do you know what the Scully effect is? Yeah, there was um a huge surge in women wanting to enter into the FBI after the X Files because of Gillian Anderson playing Scully. Not just the FBI but also in STEM. So more female mathematicians, more female scientists, more female doctors, more female everything, because mm. they had seen a person, a female character, portraying these ideals of science and logic and mathematics and, you know, yep. badassery, right? And they said, well, if I can see her do it, I can do it too, yep. right? And so when we make art, whether that be whatever medium, when we portray these things as possibilities, then they become reality. Like if, if right, there's, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I, I cannot for the life of me think of the actress's name, but she plays Leslie Nope. Um, what is her name? Um, oh my God, we're both so bad at this. <laughs> Leslie Nope. Um, I know exactly who you were talking about. And yeah. uh... Amy Poehler, Amy Poehler, golly. Okay, oh. yeah. Amy Poehler. Um, she has this, I think it's Amy Poehler. It's either that or Gina Davis. It's if she can see it, she can be it. 
And so they want to inspire a lot of like femme focused storylines because right. if young girls can see themselves portrayed as, you know, the president of the United States, as doctors that are winning Nobel prizes, as writers who are changing the world. If they can see that that is a possibility, then they can be it because yep. they know somebody can do it. Yep. And, and so creating art is the greatest way to instill in everybody, whether that's the next generation or our generation, that they can do whatever they want. They can change the world. They can fix the issues. If we mm -hmm. just come together and work together, we are so much stronger than the sum of our parts. We are so much bigger and more powerful if we just came together and recognize that. And art is the way you do it. And, you know, beyond just, you know, getting people to, to see each other, art also has this fantastic way of allowing us to see ourselves, right? So one of my favorite stories that I'm sure is also your favorite story is um, this vocal teacher at RADA. Ah, no, yeah. um, uh, Guildhall. Patsy Rosenberg. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I um, love her. You could probably tell this story better than I could. <laughs> um, but, you know, she was in a show, I think it was Trojan Women, right? She wasn't in the show. She was um, doing a book signing tour. And <laughs> the, the guy came to her, I, I guess, came to her book signing and approached her afterwards. He had seen that show. So, he so she was, yeah, she was unfamiliar with the show or who was playing what character. She only heard it through through his experience of seeing it. Yes. So so for context, this person had seen um, a production of Trojan Women and Women of Women of Troy. Women of Troy, just kidding. Yeah. That's a different Close point. enough. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so she he had seen this production of Women of Troy, and there's a scene in which um, a character dies and their mother receives the news of his death. And this man was just kind of expectorating to this woman saying, I hated this play. And she's like, well, tell me why you hated this play. And he says, there's this sound that the mother made when she found out her son had died, that I had made the same sound when I found out that my daughter had been killed. And it was painful to experience that, that sound as an audience member. And he had not come to terms with just how heartbroken he still was over the loss of his daughter. And that sound that that actress made during that scene took him right back to his own heartbreak. And like, is that not the sense, just the consent, conceit of theater yeah. is taking the mirror and putting it in the audience's face and saying, you have experienced this. You have hurt. You have loved. And what a fearful and beautiful and dangerous thing it is to love. One second. One second. Sorry about that. Um, 
yeah, that that particular story, if anyone of the listeners out there is interested in seeing it, you can find it on YouTube. It's Patsy Rodenberg, Why I Do Theater. And that particular story starts about midway through. It's something that I send to <laughs> whenever I'm having a discussion with an actor or um, we get on this topic of inspiration and things that move us, I tend to reference this video. It's wonderful to watch the full thing. So I highly recommend looking it up. It's it's such a good it's such a good piece to remind us of the importance of theater and the importance right. of telling human stories. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Michaela, for joining us. It has been a pleasure to have you on the show. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Kat. And thank you guys for listening. <laughs>